Now, I'd like to say this is incredibly high tech and Louise and I have just run across the country from one studio to another in order to take part in my music today after Lyra Live, which we were both involved with ages ago. But actually, I'm sat in my bedroom and she sat probably in her house because that's actually the way that things work these days. All right. <laughs> um, in a minute, I will be speaking to the wonderful Louise Golby. But first, here is yet again. The wonderful video from analog trash please do watch it it's pink and it's black and it flashes and people throw guitars into a swimming pool and afterwards you might want to go and visit their website here we go Louise, thank you so much for joining me uh, in our little cupboard area today uh, to, to talk <laughs> you. about yourself and music. How how are you? I'm okay, yeah. I, although, I don't know why it's winter again. That's, uh... Oh my word, isn't it? Which part of the country are you in? Uh, North London. North Leafy London. North London. Yeah, I love a bit of North London. Which uh, so is that the northern? Are you on the northern line, or are you on the? I, you know, I am. The, yes. Yeah. Oh my word! They when are they going to update the trains on the northern line? That's what I want to know. They're now really screechy. Like, yeah. and apparently, apparently, it's like the decibel level is over what's healthy, but they haven't done anything about it. So. I just you... need to like oil the tracks, <laughs> <laughs> grease the tracks. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you do you tend to wear headphone protectors? No, or but I do end up holding keep, my ears when. Keep, yeah, it's a good it's a good reason for for you know keeping your hair long like it is, exactly. etc. Um, take us back, Louise, what, to when you first started making music. When was that? Um, well, I mean, when I was little, I did make up songs, but that wasn't really the uh, <laughs> official start <laughs> of my music career. Um, I, I guess it was when I kind of was writing a few ideas um, when I was at uni. And it's weird when you write songs because until you play them to someone, you don't know if they're actually any good or, you know, I, I, you've probably got a bit of a sense they're okay, but you know what I mean? It's like a weird thing, isn't it? Like I, I often wonder if prolific songwriters that have loads of hits, whether they're still nervous about playing a song for the first time in front of someone or whether they just know. But um, I wrote a few songs at the piano, really basic ideas, and I played them to one of my really good friends and she was like, you should do this. I was doing covers gigs and stuff mm. at the time, but um, she was just like really impressed. And I was like, oh, okay, you think I can? And then I got a, a guitarist friend of mine to learn some stuff and we ended up getting a couple of gigs. A friend of mine um, in London at the time was putting on these variety nights that, um, and originally I my covers uh, trio were just playing while people arrived. We weren't part of the main show. And she said, I'd really like you 
do you have any of your own stuff? Because the whole point of the show is like it's original material in different fields. And I said, well, actually, there's I've written a couple of songs, but I've never done them live. And then, sorry, that's when I got this guitarist on board. And we did two of my songs and a cover. And it went down really well. And I was like, oh, maybe. So then it just kind of went from there. And obviously, London's got loads of open mic nights and, you know, jams and things. So it just kind of... Because it's like that for anybody, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of fallacy in a way that people think that somebody starts out at this kind of level, yeah, and you know has it all together right from the beginning. Um, There's a there's a famous clip of you you mentioned him in the Lyra thing, but there's a famous clip of Ed Sheeran. Um, being interviewed going around on Instagram at the moment where he talks about in when he first started mm. he he was dreadful <laughs> and I mean actually his singing was abysmal when he first started but he he worked at it and he worked at it and he worked at it and for for anybody uh whatever your career is but uh, you know especially in the arts etc it, it, yes you may have natural talent but it still isn't just, you know, open the box and there it is one day. Yeah. I mean, especially songwriting, I feel like that you need to hone your craft. Um, You know, you. I feel like I've learned to write better. I might be wrong. I don't know. But, you know, I'd kind of... And the same with your vocals. The more you perform live, the stronger your voice gets, the more you know how to control your voice and also where to use it when you're writing songs, uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, obviously there's that saying, isn't there? Uh, it took like 10 years for me to be an overnight success or whatever. This yeah, thing. no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Jonathan says he saw oh. you at an all-day music festival about six years ago. The event was organised by Ray Jones, talent band. Do you remember that? Hi, Jonathan. All-day festival? Hmm. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. I think. Was it in London Bridge? I think there might be one in... Um, it was... Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the venue now. Um, maybe Jonathan can tell me. Um, I thought that was actually a different promoter, but I have done lots of stuff with Talent Bank. Oh, no, maybe it was like a joint thing. I do know what you're talking about. But yes, there was an all-day festival, lots of different acts. Cool. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. There you go. You see? <laughs> People, people do re- recognising you on on the interweb, uh, etc. Yeah, that's always <laughs> that's always lovely to have people following you that sort of length of time. Is that actually is does that surprise you sometimes as well when you when you you talk to people like that and you find out that they have been following you for you know yeah quite a sometimes while. I like I've done quite a lot of gigs over the years so I hate not remembering specific ones sometimes and then. But it's so nice when people go, oh, by the way, I first saw you at this thing or I heard of you through this. And it's, it's I find that really intriguing, actually, because sometimes I'm like, oh, uh, you know, like sometimes it's a, actually a different avenue and not even, I don't know, or they've come across me somehow, not necessarily yeah. at a gig. So, but he it says it was know. a Sunday afternoon under the bridge. I guess it was near London Bridge. There you go. There yeah, you go. I think it was that one. Oh, thank you. Oh. Amazing. What was the first sort of music you listened to as a listener? Um, well, my brother, when we were growing up, was really into hip hop and 
we I remember like one of the first albums he played me was De La Soul. Um Three Feet with High. The, yeah, with the flat daisies on. And I yeah. I just I loved the cover because <laughs> of all the Hot holes in my lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Salt and Pepper, I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Push It Real just, Good. <laughs> I just really like R and B. I kind of grew up yeah. on that and mum's old Motown records and things like that. So I've always loved anything with a groove and the beat. Yeah. So that, I'm, I'm thinking that sort of era as well, so that you must have got into things like TLC and that bands yeah. that kind of transcended from the sort of purely sort of hip-hop into that, still have that kind of hip-hop beat, but were, you know, real uh, melody and vocal-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when um, like Neo Soul became a thing, you know, Jill Scott, Erica Badu, D'Angelo, that was like, this is amazing. It's like hip hop beats, really fat kind of bass lines, yeah. but really beautiful, intricate melodies and harmonies and really strong vocals on top. Like, so I just loved it. And when, when I, we you know, what I was saying when I first did my first gigs, I, was going to a few jam nights. I got introduced to a producer called Drew Hawley, who used to produce Ty, who was a rapper who passed away actually during COVID, really sadly. Um, he was amazing, this UK rapper. And Drew used to be his co-producer. But Drew also produced for Natalie Williams and wow. other people. And I met him at a party and I was like, I'd love to work with you. And we got chatting and then, you know, the next week I was in a studio with him and I knew that that was the kind of production I wanted, what he yeah. does. And it just worked really well. We, yeah. So. Half of it is, isn't it? Finding that, that kind of, uh, that your kind of people to, to work off of. Exactly. Like people that, you know, will get your song idea, have a basic, that demo you know, phone note, voice note, or whatever you bring. Yeah, yeah. And just going, yeah, I can picture that. This is how it will sound. And it's, uh, and uh, you know, take over that and um, reimagine it for you. Exactly. Yeah? But in yeah. a way that you feel comfortable with and in a way that, you know, it kind of, it's got, it, there's, again, I, I don't think everybody, as who who's just a listener who hasn't been involved with music necessarily understands this, but it's it's all about somebody stretching what you feel comfortable with as well, isn't it? Because it's yeah, it, it's not just a case of somebody taking it and going, well, I, I think it should sound like this, and you going, yeah, that's a hundred percent what I want. It's you want somebody that's going to go, oh, it's going to be like this, and you'll be like. I didn't quite see it like that, but there's this extra 10% you've put on that that's really exciting yeah. me. Absolutely, yeah. I've kind of, I'm always in the room pretty much with the producer. Although, no, I mean, obviously over the pandemic, we've I've done some remote stuff and there's just been a bit back and forth. But I definitely am quite like, I want to, I call myself the executive producer I'm yeah, not press, I'm not pressing the buttons, but I'm making decisions. But I'm on that. I want to. I want to. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely. Yeah, I want to be 100 percent happy with it. I'd love to have not be as much of a control freak and just go here, you go do what you want with it. <laughs> but there is that. Yeah, I definitely like to make some tweaks and 
be 100% happy. <laughs> There's quite a lot of new Neo Soul type artists coming out at the moment. There's There mm. seems to be a, a little bit of a kind of revival and some of it's incredibly strong on the songwriting side of things. Are there are there any kind of new artists at the moment that you, you've kind of cottoned on to listening to or yeah well I it's actually someone I know from the gig scene um amazing artist called Ciprel um and this, she's released her first full album but she's released lots of stuff over the years um and she's actually got Neo on her album on one of the songs wow she's worked with Neo and done some like vocal production stuff for her and Cip, like her voice is just ridiculous and that she does all these amazing beautiful riffs and there's all these layers of vocals and it's just a really beautiful record and like and she's got on the few Spotify playlists and stuff with it so it's doing well and she deserves it and like she's an amazing live performer as well really good so highly recommend <laughs> in terms of in terms of you know the tenure of your career I mean music in terms of the way that it's been listened to has has changed a bit Mm. how how do you personally feel about the way things are going music wise Um, I've it took me a while to kind of accept the whole streaming thing um and obviously now vinyl's back but I haven't quite worked out whether I've got enough of a following that I'd be able to like sell vinyl because I'd love to do it. And I think my album would look amazing. You know, I did like a mock-up. I've got like a one-off, you know, mock-up of what the album would look like. Um, but it's, it's very expensive to produce vinyl. And I'm like, oh, imagine if I got a thousand and I can't sell them and I've just got boxes of vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have, I need to get more, but I do, I depending on the crowd, I have got CDs that I still sell to certain, I guess, age groups and, people like some people still like having the physical I know the producers on my album I got I gave them all a copy when it was printed and they love that like you've got something physical to show that we were all a part of this you know and it's all got obviously the credits and everything um I mean regarding streaming yeah I mean I've just accepted it now but it still kind of irks me that people the consumer doesn't realize because they're paying for a service, they obviously presume that we're getting back from it. And I can't remember what the statistic is, but like... It's such a small amount of money. And I mean, look, the the thing is, the thing is that, you know, there's a lot of major artists who moan about streaming because they're, they've, you know worked out that they're they're getting a very small percentage of what they're potentially owed Mm. uh, from it i mean uh, if anyone hasn't seen it there's a really brilliant speech by snoop dogg um on instagram yeah where he's bemoaning uh streaming and you know and he does some amazing uh little monologues anyway but um (laughs) you know like I i don't know whether you've seen the one where he thanks himself you no, seen that one? Okay, I need to, I need to oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, he yeah. does do good memes and things. Exactly. But, um... Well, there's 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 him bemoaning that the, the, the you know the streaming services and saying well, he you know he's worked it out and you know two plus two don't seem to you know shouldn't equal one etc. And you know 
it, it, yeah. it just the maths doesn't kind of work out and it doesn't that's the thing no. and I feel that these days for any artist you you've kind of got to uh not just be an artist you've got to be uh, a music artist you've also got to be creative in all other senses as well because you've got to find ways of cutting through that noise exactly because and that, yeah there's so much out there you know that's the I mean, thing anyone anyone could release a record now it's that easy like i could record myself whistling happy birthday and upload it and yeah. it could be on spotify tomorrow oh, oh you've seen my band camp Oh, yeah, sorry, I copied you, I copied you. <laughs> but it's also the thing, like, I've got to embrace it because I want people to listen to my music. And if if 90% of the people I know use Spotify, then I don't want to take it off Spotify, you know? I could try and make a really exclusive thing where I just only sell physical off Bandcamp or off one thing. But then I'm alienating a lot of people. Yeah. So it, it's almost like, I'm not I'm not on those platforms for the money I'm on there to be out there to be seen exactly well the way I see it is that artists need to think about Spotify in terms of there used to be years ago and and, and I might for some of the people out there in the audience you 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 be too young to remember this but there used to be a wonderful high street store called Woolworths which is where a lot of us used to buy our singles um and the singles, uh, by the way, are, you know, songs uh, that are being released <laughs> on, on, a, on a small piece of vinyl, uh, which you played at a different speed on your record player. Um, just just to explain to anyone that's really that too young for this. Uh, but they, um, but what they used to do, they used to have this bucket in front of the, the queue where you used to queue for your singles. And it had like these tapes in it. And on these tapes, they'd, they'd, recorded uh a number of the top 40 hits from the day it was generally it was it was a a load of cover artists but that were singing these songs and it was for everyone that couldn't really afford to buy the the (laughs) full the proper albums versions of it you know and we we bought these in our droves they'd be like a couple of pounds back in the day and then you'd learn all of the songs and then when you really knew what you really liked you then go and spend your proper hard-earned cash buying that artist's album. And I, and I, to me, it's a bit like artists need to see Spotify a little bit like that. It's it's a tester kit, mm. really. It's the, This is where you can throw your voice at the black dots, dot, uh, other types of dots are available, in the corner of the room, and, you know, listen to plethora of music out there and then decide what you really like but then at that point that's where you then need to spend your money yes once you decide will people do that though would they if that's where they listen to music will they then be like well there's no point me buying the album i've got it that's the problem it's getting that it's getting that so that's that's the bit that i think artists have got to kind of overcome really it's they they need to convince people that there is something extra by actually getting connected to them mm. as an artist. And I ultimately think that we're coming back around to it because I think people have realised that in a world where, you know, AI is taking over and, you know, robots shall inherit the earth and all of that sort of thing, that actually 
human humanness you know the 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 brilliance of being a human uh there is something to be said for that and actually ultimately you can only really gain that experience if you if you invest in other human beings i think we learned yeah. all of that in the pandemic because suddenly you know we were we were taken away from other humans mm. and and i think for a lot of people that's where we we came back to a kind of realization that oh wow what what if we didn't have humans you know other people anymore actually the world world would suck mm-hmm. uh so i i think that's why we're beginning to see people buying vinyl again even people buying tapes again and making mixtapes again and i you know love it if you're part of that culture by the way out there great keep mm. doing it make mixtapes for people it's a beautiful way to show someone that you love them um so you know so i i think it's about how artists learn to transcend that isn't it you know yeah and, and maybe get clever with it as well yeah um you know have you have you ever thought about getting clever with with anything i try and get clever all the time and then you think you're being clever and someone else has actually already done it <laughs> it's actually really hard to think of new be creative and new all the time yeah, yeah. it's hard because you know like people go oh wow did you see that person that they've done this in their video but then it's like oh right yeah well they've done that now so you can't <laughs> but that that's why that i mean that's one of the reasons so i've started working with artists because you know i think ultimately you've got to expand outside of your own circle it's not necessarily something you can do just with artists it might might be that you have to bring other creatives into that process i mean mm. do, are you are you generally outside of the music are you quite a creative person per se anyway i mean do do you yeah, enjoy do you enjoy sort of working alongside other arts yeah i do i do i mean just before we went on the podcast i was doing a little poster for my next big gig because i'm doing um pizza express in holborn again on the 22nd of august and it's like because nice. it's a lovely venue it's a sit-down venue you know it's nice do they, have a, do they have a nice piano in there do they have a they do, yeah. They've yeah. got everything there, and the sound is really good. And people are there to listen, you know, like they're all sat. And I've got an amazing support act called Carmi Love. So I was just creating a little poster where it's. I was finding a good a picture of me that would work with the pictures she's given me, and I was creating a little poster for it. And I got the Pizza Express logo, and, and that was quite fun because, you know, I know what well what I think looks nice and will work aesthetically. So yeah, I like that side of things and. Uh, but, I think what what then you need to take it another step for, further though. What you what you need to do is on the night is you should have some kind of gamification with it where like people could pick a slice of pizza and depending upon what they pick, that that determines the next song. Ooh. You see? I mean, I don't I don't think <laughs> that would probably take a bit of organization with the restaurant. Like I I think I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? You could t- yeah. really kind of tie it into like a sort of. Or I like- could say like, "Who's got a pizza with meat on it? Stick your hand up." Yeah. And then have to choose a song. I don't know. <laughs> or, or, you get Pizza Express if they if, if as they're bringing the pizza out or something. Somebody's plate has got a photo of you on the underside of it. <laughs> well. Right, 
And whoever gets that play, they they can come up and you'll sing them a song to them. That's a nice idea. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Okay. See? But I, that's, I'm, writing, that's, I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. That's the kind <laughs> of thing. That's the that's the thing. That's the kind of thing that, you know, I think artists have to kind of think about these days. It's just how yeah. you get a little bit more interactive with your environment and mm. with that crowd. And, and actually then that makes content. Because I one of the things that I talk to people about all of the time is don't try and create content. Create activity. Okay. Do you know what do you know what I mean? Yeah. By that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, what I'm saying by that is do what you do in the world really, really well and do something, do something that makes a change or makes a difference or makes some, you know, makes people look up. Then you've got the content. Mm. You don't have to think about making that content anymore because the content's already there in front of your nose. Yeah, because yeah. you've you've thought about it creatively. You thought I'm going to do this here and this is going to be different. Yeah. I mean, you can see that with like, you know, like the content that um, Ed Sheeran's doing at the moment where before any of the main stadiums that he's playing, he's going and handing out food at some of the fast food restaurants. Oh, right. Yeah. Around the stadium. You know, he's he's having he's having a blast. He's having a great bit of time. But someone's filming it. And that is great content, isn't it? Because what he's doing is contextualizing that crowd in that space and people yeah, and see themselves reactions and, exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah um we had we had uh beth mccarthy who's a young singer songwriter uh on recently and what she said she's gone viral on, on tiktok she's she's got massive i think she's got about four hundred eighty thousand followers on tiktok wow. and one of the things that she's been doing here's a little here's a little tip for you Right, yeah, Louis, something to write down. One of the things she's been doing is um, she's been interviewing people about uh, a line from one of her songs. Right, I know someone that's doing that actually as well. Yeah, so she she's uh, asking people, "What do you call it?" It is, you know, and and then people are describing themselves. Right. But it's clever because the name of the song is what you called it, you see, and it, um, and it gets it gets it stuck in people's heads. So I think it's quite clever. I think people are trying to think of other ways to introduce the music without without it sounding, yeah, like you just here's thinking. our next single, boom, yeah. Oh, here we are, Jonathan again. Um, believe gigs would be more interesting with something else. A gig with difference would encourage a bigger audience, more interaction between artists and fans. See. There you go. I'm very rarely wrong on these things. Maybe, Jonathan, if you come to the gig, maybe you'll be the special secret pizza person. Exactly. Our pre planet. <laughs> could, could make that happen. Um, you have, you've, you also sit this side of the, the mic as well. You, you do a podcast. What, yeah. got, what got you into the podcast? So, a really good friend of mine, Bernard, uh, he actually runs an audio production company called Unedited. They've won loads of awards and all sorts since, like, in the last few years. They're amazing. Um, and we were talking about doing a podcast age ago. We were coming up with some ideas that we thought would want to be music-related and, in a way, kind of be a good platform for me as an artist, but obviously not be about me. Do you know what I mean? Rather than it yeah. be me talking about myself. Back, back to my philosophy of activity. Yeah. 
exactly yeah. and so it came about and we put our heads together and we realized between us we had quite a lot of contacts that we could we had like a dream list of guests that we'd want to approach and we started just before the pandemic so we had Michelle Escoffrey who wrote like one of her biggest songs that she co-wrote was Just a Little for Liberty X brilliant amazing song it you know won Brits it won got to number one um she's also done stuff with Artful Dodger and all sorts of people since and she's now like on the PRS board and she's on the she's doing amazing anyway and um and actually one of my very first gigs she used to put on a music night so she's been quite a big part of my journey anyway because I love that and it was just nice kind of I felt you know when I'm interviewing someone that I know I'm a bit more comfortable and it was kind of it's like catching up with an old mate isn't it exactly so that was nice and then we kind of started the ball rolling then we had to do we thought we'd carry on doing the podcast we'll just do it remotely and that was good and actually in a way it was easier to get guests that way because you don't have to book a venue you don't have to get a date that everyone's free that they have to travel to and from and did you actually find actually in that because I started this in the middle of lockdown yeah and it was what was great about it. It was a great time to start a podcast in a way mm-hmm. because there were so many people that were available that would never be available. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And all they had to do was be there for an hour or so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were lucky that obviously because we were interviewing songwriters, most people have recording stuff at home because we did a whole thing where we do a video call, but we'd be recording the audio through logic or whatever so I'd be recording my end they'd be recording theirs you know we were quite lucky that we had guests with proper microphones and audio equipment as well so you know that was quite handy uh and then yeah it just kind of developed and then we got PRS on board for the second second, no maybe it was through partway through the first series and they did some interviews with our guests um and then the second series the Ivers suggested some guests to us that's how we got egg white who co-wrote adele's chasing pavements and uh will will young's big hit you know really great names we were able to get for this so pretty honored um and actually i've ended up working with a couple of the guests that's been nice as well like rob davis who was on the first series i've done some stuff with him um yeah it's been it's been great and obviously it's enjoyable and because I am a songwriter I know what to ask and talk about like I I don't think I'm a natural host but because it's something I know I can talk whereas I think if you're if I think if you're passionate about something you've got knowledge about something and you're good at listening Hmm. then you can be a good host yeah but I do get nervous when it's like it has been people that I've, I don't know, and we've done it over Zoom or whatever. Everybody and... gets nervous. Everybody gets nervous. Yeah. I think it. I think for me, I, I think the the hardest ones that I've done are people that you've been, you know, you've admired for years. That's the hardest one. Mm. You know, when it's someone that you've got like every record in their collection and whatever, and it's like, you know, you've been to see them live a billion times because you're they're a favorite artist of yours and then suddenly they're sat there in front of you that it's like mm, okay this <laughs> you know you've got to get over that kind of fanboy type situation oh, yeah. haven't you then when, when we interviewed don black that was so this series we've done some in real life and some not 
just depending on what yeah, the, yeah. Guests, the guests want. We leave it to them, like, you know, so whatever's easiest for them. And John Black, we did over Zoom. And, you know, he's been being interviewed for 60 years now, you know, that's how long his career's been. So he knows the deal. And he was quite kind of like, not like, oh, let's get on with it, but kind of very much like, you've got an hour, let's do this. Let's and, do it. Yeah. And also he said, unfortunately, like, although I'm asking questions that are quite unique to our podcast, they're not necessarily unique. You know, me asking him how the lyrics for Diamonds Are Forever came about, he's told that story a million times. So it's not like I've got an exclusive story with him, but it was still just, it's just absolute, I mean, he's just a legend. And so it was amazing talking to him. I just didn't want to waste his time. I felt a bit of like, oh. Talking about exclusive stories, actually, though, did have you ever, in interviewing anyone, have you ever got an exclusive story? Hmm. I don't know. Potentially. Oh. I got an exclusive story one time. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, well, it, he's never, I, I think he's written about it, but he, he'd never actually talked about it mm. on air. Um, when I was interviewing John Stewart, who's the guitarist with Sleeper. You know, oh, Sleeper. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about uh, the time when Sleeper recorded in George Michael's studio because mm. George Michael was a fan. Um, he invited them to the, his studio to record. And George Michael had taken possession of John Lennon's uh, piano that he wrote Imagine on. Oh, wow. Um, and he scratched it by accident. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Apparently, they, they all went down to, to do photo sessions with the piano and sort of, you know, and everyone was like leaning on it and having all of this or whatever. And he decided to hug it, but he had this leather jacket on with studs. Oh, no. Yeah. And apparently it's now in a museum, and he now goes to see it just to see the scratch. (laughs) (laughs) But he he never told George Michael when he was still alive. There we go. I thought that was a bit – that was a beautiful story. That was That was – he had lots of stories, actually. He he even told a story about meeting uh, Brian Wilson in a laundrette (laughs) as well. I mean, you can't – you can't make these these things up. So I think it's lovely when you get that. Uh, the one guest that I'd love you to have on, mm. on your show, I'm going to suggest a guest for you now, is Troy Miller. I've approached Troy, actually. I think have I've been with him on Facebook. But, um, yeah, because he's we had Fiona Bevan on the second series and Troy and Fiona work quite a lot together. But do you know him? Maybe you can ask him. Troy Miller... Uh, Went to school with me. No way. His his brother was best friends with me. I used to I used to go round to Troy's house when I was a kid, and um, and then we were in a band together when I was fourteen and he was ten. Wow. There you go. I, I, it, I'm not going to say that I encouraged him into music, but <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, there... Troy. Troy's been on our list, and I did message him, but. I haven't heard back. So Troy, if you're listening, I know you're busy writing <laughs> everybody's albums, etc., winning Ivers, all of that sort of thing. You know, look, orchestrating stuff for people. I know he's 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 been busy doing uh, 
Gregory's album, hasn't he? Again recently, he's been co-writing. Gregory Porter. Yeah, he's been. Oh wow. Been co-writing Gregory Porter's album again because he he wrote uh, he wrote some of the um, the last album. He wrote Revival with himself and Ollie uh, on keyboards were were involved in that. Yeah. Um, but I know you're a busy boy, right? Playing for I'm the actually... for the king and all that sort of thing. But please come on, you go I'm on. Actually... No, sorry. I was going to say you go on Louise's show, and Louise, what you do, right, is when when he comes on, I'd like to come on and just do like this is your life, with, and I'll tell and I'll come on with a red book and, yeah. and tell an you know an embarrassing story about when he was ten. I think that sounds good. I think that sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to an event for the Ivers tonight, so he might be there. Maybe I'll see him. If you see him, say hi, say hi from me. <laughs> I will. Uh, the last time, the last time I saw him and we played together was at his brother's wedding a few years know. back. Now, probably five or six years ago. Um, that was that was wonderful. We got we got the band back together for the evening <laughs> uh, to to play uh, some U two and some ACDC and some Led Zeppelin. Amazing. It was great. There we wow. Are. Oh, yeah, well, if I see him, I'll definitely say. It's amazing. It's a small world, isn't it, music? It you... is, and it's, it's such a fine line between those that are making it and those aren't, that aren't, if you know what I mean. Incredibly. It, it's, you know, I've... It, is that something that continues to kind of surprise you in a way on a daily basis, that actually the, the talent that is out there that actually deserves better, but you know, it's down to one thing maybe or one thing only that sort of pushes somebody into that next yeah. stratosphere. Yeah, it's it's been like that the whole time, I think. And But in a way, I kind of feel like I feel really grateful that I'm in the circles I'm in because I do feel like I'm almost like one step away from that world, but not, you know, just Completely. people I work with, musicians I work with, work with big artists. You know, yeah. I'm grateful that they also want to work with me, and it's kind of that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's a actually, I mean, that, that, and that's something that again, people perhaps don't understand. There's there's a distinct lack of ego sometimes in music. I think mm. sometimes you know, musicians of a of a size, people don't realise that ultimately they're fans too. Mm. You know, and it's almost. It's almost like people always want the story when someone says, oh, why did you choose to work with them? Because, you know, you're up here doing stadiums or whatever and, you know, that they're a, they're a nobody, if you know what I mean. Why, why did you choose to work with them? But it can be as simple as, well, they've heard their music and they love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's a, that, that's a great thing. Definitely. You know? I mean, you know, some of the session musicians that playing my band and you know one minute they might be on tour with such and such and the next they're doing a covers gig with me somewhere but it's at the end of the day they're working musicians and if they want to and they love music they love music they want a gig or they yeah they want to yeah. do gigs they enjoy and doesn't yeah it's nice and it's what? variety as well isn't it because when you're on tour you're just doing the same show every night whereas then when you're back in London or wherever and doing lots of different things, it's that's what you know. 
and I'm I'm going to ask this question about I mean it in the the the, the sort of bigger sense of the word rather than the sort of crass sense of it. You know what what's the ambition for Louise going forward? I mean, you've got you've got the podcast, which I think you know that's that's fantastic. You've got you know you you've you're working with some of the best, but what personal fulfillment ambitions haven't you realized yet that musically that you would love to fulfill hmm. well that there's more people that can hear it and that's something i just want to do um not that i'm not going to re- release any more music or anything i'm still writing and got other stuff but it's like i'm not done with that particular project yet mm. um so whatever that looks like I, I want the music out there more um I mean I've always wanted to like go on Jules Holland and you know those kind of oh, you know yeah. and I know that I do a you know a solid live show because I gig all the time so I'm like, oh, I can imagine my band on there and doing yeah. you know but those are kind of because you know there's like well, you mentioned D'Angelo earlier, and that, that, that's probably one of the best performances ever. On yeah, Twitter. I think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's just unbelievable, right? But it's now just the only live music show, because apart from there being like one guest on Graham Norton or one guest on Jonathan Ross, there's no Top of the Pops, there's no CD UK, there's no... It's really bizarre. I find it weird that there's no one's created another live music show do you think that's mainly because of you know the likes of youtube hi we're on youtube now do you think do you think it's because of the way that we consume maybe sort of music now is that you know actually i mean my you know i've got five kids and and you know a lot of them they sit in front of the they sit in front of the tv at night but they sit there on a phone watching mm. youtube right mm. and actually if they get the chance they'll stream youtube to the tv or the tvs are smart these days aren't they and and they just put you they literally put youtube on the tv and watch youtube i just wonder whether it's you know part of it is like terrestrial tv has kind of lost its interest and and people it want has, it. but then you know there's more and more reality shows there's more and more yeah you know different it's just i just find it bizarre that jules holland is the only show that's just about music like there's but so maybe that's films. why you and me have a voice to do things like we're doing like this and and your your podcast as well because actually there's a vacancy there where actually there's not enough proper journalism if you like mm. or proper proper conversations around music in terms of content that's being made by any of the big companies but i don't yeah. necessarily mean conversation i mean watching just watching a live band playing yeah, yeah. like Bring back the tube. Come on. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's so weird. Maybe that maybe we should pitch something to... Uh... I, I Definitely. I'd be up for hosting a live music show. That would be totally up my street. All right. Let's, Louis, see, let's see our connections. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> L- Louise and I would, uh, are treating this now as a promo for uh, a new live music show where we'll be bringing on bands every week uh, that, that you've never heard of. Um, and, and maybe one that you have 
<laughs> you know, and uh, and that's what that's what the whole thing's going to be about. And they're going to play. They're going to be playing not only their their famous songs, but maybe something you've never heard before as well. I think it is. It's a shame. I I even polled people this morning. This will get you you, you going. I polled people this morning on remember uh, all of those great Saturday morning shows that kids watched. Yeah, like going live Saturday Superstore Swap Shop. They all had that music element in them, didn't they? They all had bands on, and you you got to see people's videos as well. Yeah, it's like where where's that anymore? Bring it all back. <laughs> Tis was again. Bring it back. <laughs> we are going to see what we can do with your album. Um, hopefully, we can create you know some excitement, some bubble over the album again. We we'll see how far we can push it. Um, anybody that's going to see Louise, where where is the gig again? So. At the Pizza, so in London, Pizza Express live. Yep. They've got a big venue. They've got a few now, but this is the biggest one. It's in Holborn, right Holborn. by the tube. It's actually like a minute's walk from the tube. And it's Tuesday, the 22nd of August. And it'll be my full band. And yep. I've also got Carmi Love as the support. So that she's amazing. Absolutely night, perfect. When, when you, summer soul. <laughs> when you come out of the tube at Holborn, mm. facing outwards, is it left or right? Because that's what people need to know. Can't remember. <laughs> uh, Louise right. will right. Louise will put it on the poster anyway because that's important. Right? <laughs> Do you know what? When you when you've never been to a tube station before, the yeah. only thing that you need to know because sat navs get it completely wrong. Um, you know, it's definitely right. It's definitely right. There you go. <laughs> right out of Holborn, about a minute's walk, Pizza Express. Um, and what date is that? Twenty second of August. 22nd of August yeah. uh, and there will be a plate with Louise's face on it uh, the, the, well, my face will be, be in the pizza or oh, even better her face will be in the or, pizza what if or, they create a special Golby pizza for the night Golby pizza. Like an exclusive or a cocktail <laughs> yes there will be something food related anyway that's yeah, gonna be gonna that's gonna it. happen that night. And if you get it, etc., then you have a chance for something to happen. You might Ooh. even yeah, I've go also on. got, as I say, you know talking about vinyl earlier. I do mm. have vinyl copies of the Mercedes advert song, so I'll have them for sale Ooh. on the night as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. It's all it's all gonna happen. It's all gonna happen. I'm 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 excited for the next part of your career, all all launching off just because of all of this. Thank Louise, you. you've been an absolute pleasure today. Thanks so much for A coming and doing the Lyra thing earlier and, and then coming and doing this as well. I do wow. promise that well, I will take a clip of this uh and post it up later with subtitles and everything um for, for you to share around the, the socials. Folks, if you've enjoyed uh listening to louise talk today um please do check out her music because that's really important and if you like it the most important for two important things one tell her you like it because it means everything to an artist to know that you actually like their music secondly please support her by actually buying a copy of the album yeah. uh, because a, a little bit of money goes a long long way uh when artists don't get paid uh, a lot of money for, for streaming um, and share it with other people that you like. And if you've enjoyed this, this has been my music. 
with Graham Cove. And, and please do share and subscribe to this. If you haven't enjoyed this today, then this has been an instructional video on how to change the, the cursor size on your PC platform. And you can now do what you like with this video because it will self-destruct. <laughs> Until next time, my guest today has been Louise Golby, who's absolutely fantastic. And I'll be back later this week with some more My Music. Until then, bye for now.